Hi. <laughs> We're recording now. Um, uh, I might have some whir in the background, and I apologize, but that's my roommate's, like, giant industrial strength air filter going out in the hallway. Oh, shit. Then, yeah, no, that is already forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> we got that's a... Necessary uh, whir. Apparently, my roommate got a notification at, like, one in the morning that our new filter for it had been delivered, because... Oh. It's been, like, flashing a little red light for, like, a week saying, please replace the filter. And so we, like, at one in the morning, ripped it apart, inserted the new filter, and put it back together again. Why and how was it delivered at one in the morning? I don't know if a hat was delivered at one in the morning or if he just saw the notification at one in the morning. Oh, I see. Okay. if it was delivered at one in the morning, then... Uh, Someone is not getting paid enough. Yeah, I was going to say, that's that must be a new Amazon offering. <laughs> Graveyard shift. Ugh. Ugh, that sounds terrible for everybody involved. So long as it's not that... Uh, wait, are they still doing that thing where you have the Amazon uh, doorbell or the Amazon lock? And you can like, let weird. the delivery yeah. person in? I haven't heard of that in a while, but that's just a, that's just a scary thought. I feel like that might have been one of those things that like only a, a few small businesses did because it sounded futuristic and then everybody quickly realized, oh, no, this is strange. Yeah, let's not let strangers into your house when you're not there. That's probably bad. Although that would fit on the 2020 bingo card, you know, really uh, just making uh, like break-ins part of capitalism. Yeah. Welcome to uh, Watch Dogs 4. <laughs> Real life. <laughs> Get ready to monetize some B and E's. <laughs> God, then that one. Um... Wow, I'm just really good at the names today. Uh, is it Dane Cook? Is that comedian? I don't know. I think it's Dane Cook. Has... Dane about. Cook has the bit about breaking and entering, and how as a kid he always wanted to do a B and E, like not to steal anything, but just to like break and enter. And that was the only joke of his that I actually liked because it was like, yeah, okay, I get it. And then most of it is him just acting it out, being like, kicking in a door, being like, I'm doing a B&E. <laughs> the break and the enter. Then you're just like standing there and like, huh, all right, yeah, yeah, and you'll just it. leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was basically the joke. But then that joke could be funny again if we monetized breaking and entering. Welcome to 2020. <laughs> <sighs> It feels good to be able to breathe deeply and not have to worry about it too much. I can imagine. Yeah, the air quality in Portland has gone from, what was it before? It was hazardous? Uh, it was off the charts uh, beyond hazardous. It was like beyond 400. Hazardous. And yeah. now, it is, now it is merely harmful. Now it is merely harmful to people with certain uh, medical issues. Perfect. Great. I think it's about <laughs> 150 when I woke up this morning. Uh where a hundred is already bad, bad, right? And it was at five something. Yeah, something around those lines, depending yeah. on the time of day and where you were in the city. You'll love to see it. Well, I'm glad. No, I'm glad. I'm glad that some some rain came. Portland pulled through. Yeah, uh, everyone was like celebrating at like three a.m. Thunderstorm rolled in, uh, nearly knocked me out of bed at three a.m. Jesus. I woke up and the ground is soaking wet and it smells nice. Well, good. Well, not nice. It smells I mean, better. Better. It, yeah. It's it's going to smell like wet ash for a while. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go stand in the rain. And then I immediately thought, 
No. <laughs> I don't want that stuff coagulating on me. Ooh. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, you Just should get probably, a nice like... nice oily sheen. Yeah, like, get the hose at some point, wash your car off. Like, that's going to be a weird thing. Like... Oh, I did that yesterday. Okay, good. In anticipation. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah, all the weird residue from everything. Yeah, just hosing off your car like, this is people's houses. Yeah. <laughs> I I wanted to ask, I was just thinking about like stuff for the podcast and, and you know, about how you're doing in Portland. So we were sort of mentioning before we started recording, like, it, it was one thing to say, okay, we have a pandemic, everybody stay inside. It was another thing to be like, all right, Pacific Northwest, <laughs> y'all really have to stay inside. Earth will not allow you to leave your homes. Not only shouldn't you go outside, now you can't. Without was, causing injury to yourself, right? It's like, um, it's like in, uh, like I've been playing a lot of Breath of the Wild lately. It's like sort of. It's like in, in the, fucking the Metroid Prime Two Echoes when you go into the dark world and take toxic damage from the environment. Jimmy, I think this is a new record. <laughs> <laughs> you have to stay within the like six feet or so of your air filter. Uh. <laughs> God damn it! I can't believe I can't believe you've done this. Um, Go from bubble to bubble so you don't <laughs> inhale smoky ash. Uh, I wanted to ask uh, what you have been doing. Uh, full stop. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to ask what like media have you been consuming? What what games have you been playing to try and like block out the horrors of the world? I've been playing a fun game called Lying in Bed Having a Panic Attack. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good one. I'm a big fan of that one. I got to the New Game Plus on that last week. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah, I haven't really been like watching any media. I just okay. kind of trying to survive, hang out. Okay, well that's fair. That's fair. I've been like sort of going back and watching a lot of stuff that I've seen before, like kind of like comfort mm-hmm. watching movies. Partially just so I can, like, watch something on my lunch break, because Lauren's been going back into the lab off and on. So, like, I'm just sitting at home with Pepper, and we're just like, oh, all right, I guess I guess I just won't work for an hour. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, so I've been watching, and I, I want to recommend these to you, just especially knowing that you, like, haven't been consuming much much uh, uh, entertainment lately. I <laughs> I texted you about this. You did. I, I rewatched Demolition Man recently. I had forgotten, uh, and I talk about Demolition Man fairly often on this show, but I had forgotten that a subplot of Demolition Man and the closing line of the movie is that Sylvester Stallone does not wipe his ass for something like three days. What? Yeah, so... So, so the movie is about this cop that gets cryo frozen because he uh, kills a bunch of hostages. He didn't mean to. Actually, he didn't. It's revealed. I'm, it's not really a spoiler. Um, he's wrong, wrongfully accused. Uh, and so he's he's cryo-frozen. He's one of the first people to go into cryo-freeze in 1996. You know, back when we were freezing everybody. Yeah. Uh, and he is unfrozen in 2032. And in 2032, and I, I have some other feelings about this movie that I, I want to write about someday. Uh, but in 2032 we have gotten rid of paper products. So there's no paper and no toilet paper. 
So one of the first things that happens is he's unfrozen in the movie. He goes to the the police department. They're like introducing him to the future and he goes to take a shit and he's like, why? he comes he comes out of the bathroom afterwards and he goes, why is there no toilet paper? There's just three sheet three seashells. <laughs> so that's where that joke comes from. The three seashell joke. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen it referenced in like different places around the internet. I didn't know it was from Demolition Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's one character that even goes like, oh, pff, look at this guy. He doesn't even know how to use the three seashells. And then it's not mentioned. And the story progresses. It goes for like three days. And then the last line of the movie is Sylvester Stallone saying to Sandra Bullock, so how do you use the three seashells? <laughs> <laughs> so everybody go watch Demolition Man. It's wonderful. It's on Netflix. Uh, I'll have to give that a look. I also, I, I, we do like a regular bad movie night with some friends here. And this last week, you watch Gooby. Yeah, yeah, you were part of that one. Yeah, Gooby, an amazing, terrible movie. Um, we watched the Super Mario Brothers movie. A bunch of people hadn't seen it before, and I had forgotten just how brilliant that movie is. Like, it's truly a good movie. Is the thing? Like, I really enjoy watching Super Mario Brothers. It's not. Uh, okay, I wouldn't say it's a good movie, I guess, but it is a creative entertaining. movie. It's entertaining. It's interesting. Interesting might be the best word. And I looked up some trivia about the movie. So it stars Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo. It was... The the original pitch was they were trying to get Danny DeVito instead of Bob Hoskins to play <laughs> Mario. And they also wanted Danny DeVito to direct the movie. So we could have had a world where that happened. And not only that, they originally wanted, for the role of Luigi, Tom Hanks. What? (laughs) (laughs) So we could have had... I'm picturing a world where Tom Hanks is in any way, shape, or form related to Danny DeVito. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We could have effectively had twins, but Mario. (laughs) Uh, the only other movie I've been I've been rewatching slowly is G.I. Joe: The Rise of Cobra, which is a bad movie. <laughs> I do not enjoy watching it, but I was just like, you know what? I'm just gonna watch this in pieces just to see if there's anything worth salvaging from this film. And the only thing that's there is the scene where Channing Tatum shaves his awful goatee, and you just <laughs> breathe a sigh of relief, going, "Oh, finally!" That's like 45 minutes into the movie. <laughs> Now is that is it the first G.I. Joe movie or the sequel where there's a under ice base and there's like an iceberg and they blow up the iceberg to crush it. I and be- then the iceberg sinks. Because that's what ice does. <laughs> I believe that's the sequel. Uh the the first one, G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra, is uh Channing Tatum and Marlon Wayans join the super secretive uh multinational in- organization known as GI Joe. Uh who plays the general? Dennis Quaid plays the general, which is really strange seeing Dennis Quaid in anything now. <laughs> uh and um uh Christopher Eccleston plays Destro. What? 
yeah, so Chris, Christopher Eccleston is ostensibly the villain of the movie. He plays Destro, who is the descendant of a Scottish weapons manufacturer who, as he's being killed by the French, or not killed, he's being tortured by the French for selling weapons to both sides uh, in like the early 1800s, uh, he curses them effectively and says that a member of his family will always like be selling weapons and sure enough christopher eccleston plays his descendant who is selling weapons uh it ends with him i i need again i'm rewatching it like in pieces so i'm getting to the end i believe it ends with him being badly disfigured in some sort of an accident so he has to put on the same iron mask that his ancestor was tortured with because they like heated up this iron mask and put it around his face uh so he gets the classic destro look and then okay and then cobra commander ends up taking over cobra commander played by joseph gordon levitt in a mask hell yeah so the entire (laughs) movie there's joseph gordon levitt and then you, there's another scene where you see Joseph Gordon-Levitt before this like whole horrible accident. And you're like, oh, cool, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's in this movie, not realizing that you have seen 30 minutes of footage with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> <laughs> also appearing in this film. Yeah, right, exactly. It's almost it like he plays two roles. Time. It's pretty good. Uh, so that that part's nice, I guess. But it's, there's, there's, it's, it's... I feel like when you talk about G.I. Joe, the rise of Cobra, you make it a better movie than G.I. Joe, the rise of Cobra was because you, but understandable, you're cutting out all of the parts that involve actually watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tyler, I think I still have your DVD copy of super Mario brothers. So I think I'll have to watch that pretty soon. I know for a fact you do. We we've talked about this on this <laughs> podcast. Uh, I have, I have seen you hold it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, w- I would recommend rewatching it. It's on, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's on Amazon. Uh, I was going to say Prime. I don't think it's on Prime. I believe we rented it, but it's like a mm. cheap rental. Um, it's, it's one of those where you really have to go in like with zero expectations. Uh, Shigeru Miyamoto actually said that his opinion of the movie was that they spent too long making it accurate to the game and not long enough making it a good movie. And if you look at how accurate to the game it is, it's not, it's not accurate. Uh, yeah, that gives you some kind of indication of what you're in for. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's some recommendations. I've been thinking a lot about movies lately. Um, but we should talk about some Yu-Gi-Oh. All right. Eh? That is the topic of our podcast. Okay. All right. You see, I mean, you seem kind of resigned to it. <laughs> we just can talk about Yu-Gi-Oh, I guess. <laughs> oh, one <laughs> thing I have been watching lately. I have been watching uh, Legend of Korra with friends. Oh, does that... is Okay, I fell off the Avatar bandwagon uh, uh, after season one of Korra. Are we on a new season now? Is this new... Or you're rewatching? I'm rewatching. Okay, I feel like I've been seeing stuff about like new stuff coming out, but I don't know anything about it. Does does they it were hold talking up? about making like a live action Avatar for Netflix? Oh, um, okay. So that's probably what you're talking. That about. might be it. D- does Cora hold up on on rewatching? It's pretty good. Yeah, it's okay. a fun show. Yeah, I like. 
I like how dark it went right off the bat. That felt oh, pretty yeah. good. It goes pretty dark and also some has its like really goofy moments. But uh, I, I, I really like Korra as a character. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to give it a shot. That, Lauren, a... Lauren really did not like Avatar The Last Airbender, but she, she might like Korra. I don't know. I think it's I think it's I think it's specifically Aang was annoying. <laughs> Which is yeah, it was also a cartoon made for like young children. Yeah, that's another thing. Like a lot of it I know for myself is like the nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure for a lot of people rewatching it like yourself. Yeah, well, uh it's a very different show from Avatar The Last Airbender because Aang was just a happy go lucky kid who's like trying to learn to be the Avatar and that kind of thing. Korra right. starts out as the Avatar, knowing she's the Avatar, and her approach is to just start punching people. <laughs> I mean, you know, fair. Yeah, so it's if that's the kind of show you want to watch, uh, a badass woman kicking ass and using all kinds of cool powers, that's the show for you. God, I wish we got more of that in Yu-Gi-Oh! We get a little bit of it this episode, but I wish we had we more. We get a little bit of it this episode. Let's talk about this episode. Well, let's talk about it, okay. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street and there's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. It's time to pop up up a podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to You Activated My Podcast, the weekly Yu-Gi-Oh! Recap Podcast. I'm Tyler. 20 minutes later, I'm Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, we are going to be talking about Season 3, Episode 6, Freeze Play, Part 2. This is uh, the second... The second part. Finally. <laughs> it's been 84 years. <laughs> the second one. The second one. Um, the translated title of this episode is Shine, the Jewel of the Sage. The summary says... I feel like that's a, sub, like a subtitle for one of the little shine sprites that you get in Super Mario Sunshine. Ooh, yeah. Like, you, you like... can imagine just... Uh, going into one of the, the worlds in Super Mario Sunshine and you could just picture the little title of the, the stage you're in, The Jewel of the Sage. And the boss is like uh, like a uh, like a comic. Is that the magician yeah. one? Yeah. 
I'd be into that. Man, I that came out today, by the way, on the day we're recording. The oh, uh, yeah. three three D All Stars. Looking forward to picking that I up. I thought this about weekend. thinking about getting it, but I also like own all those games individually. So I'm not sure if it's worth it. I mean, if you still have a console that can play them, probably not worth it. But that's neither here nor there. We're here to talk about you. Yeah. Uh, the summary says, despite gaining a lead with Maha Vilo, Taya falls behind as Crump begins an assault on her life points, causing the ice around her to grow. With the help of her deck master, Dark Magician Girl, and Yugi's Dark Magician, Taya gains enough confidence to win. Fucking spoiling the end of the episode, right? In the yeah. summary there. Yeah, it's, you know, it it is what it is. <laughs> Uh, the, the recap, just cause it's, it's been a bit since our last episode, the recap is important here. Uh, effectively the duel is as you lose life points, you get frozen. Uh, this ice sort of grows up around you. Uh, and if you die in the game, a creepy old man takes over your body in real life. Yep. Those are the two rules really. <laughs> and, uh, we're, we're in a duel with, uh, Taya and, uh, Crump. Our good friend Crump, you know, you know, our favorite villain, the the penguin Crump, the accountant, penguin. <laughs> the penguin accountant. You know, honestly, after two weeks of living in the nightmare hellscape of Portland, being unable to breathe or go outside, it's actually really nice to see Crump. I was like, finally, I get to pay attention to some goofy bullshit that doesn't matter. Yeah, Crump kind of <laughs> has like a comforting villain sort of aspect to him. Yeah, it's like, he's a um, penguin accountant. Did you ever feel this way about, like, Jafar? I feel like Jafar was kind of this for me. Like, I, I hate Jafar, but I just feel so comfortable hating Jafar. Ah, it's Jafar, that old I, scoundrel. Oh, Gonna well, watch you get your ass kicked again. Yeah, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really pleased with this. Let's just, like, watch Jafar for a while. <laughs> <laughs> the Jafar show. Yeah, I'd watch that. Uh, I I, I want to... Re- sort of confess something to you jimmy about this show because so i turned on closed captioning for the first time i like remembered to turn on closed captioning at the start of the episode what i usually do is i think to myself i should turn on closed captioning and then i forget until somebody says something that i like want to write down so i go back (laughs) turn on closed captioning and like check the spelling and everything this time i turned it on before i started watching anything so for the first time and we've watched 104, 105 episodes of this show. We've been doing this for almost three years. For Holy the cow. For the first time ever, I realized that the, the words spoken at the beginning of the intro song are not Yugi 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 They're saying words. Did you not did you not hear the this? The voice says Yugi is king of games. And I know is king of games. Dun 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 dun. I dun 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 for years, Jimmy, have thought that that was just a weird reverb effect, and all he was saying was Yugi over and over again with like a weird delay and reverb. I need to go back and listen to the intro just so I can try and hear it that way. Yugi I have always heard Yugi is king of games. I have th- today is a first, and only because I read it in the closed captioning. <laughs> it's like when you finally are able to see like the magic eye. Yes, and you're like, 
Oh, that's what it's supposed to be. And then you can't unsee it. And now I'll hear Yugi is King of Games every time. And I'm, I'm actually kind of sad about that. I feel like a bit of my innocence has been stolen away. <laughs> Yugi, Yugi, Yugi. Yugi, 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 Yugi. <laughs> um, oh but okay, so uh, we, we started the episode in earnest. And it actually has nothing to do with Taya and Crump. Nope. It's the Super Kaiba Brothers. <laughs> yes. Super Kaiba Brothers, uh, World 1-1. One, one. <laughs> It's Tom Hanks and uh, Danny DeVito. <laughs> Danny DeVito. Oh my God! Tom, okay, okay. <laughs> you have to cast a live-action version of Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, you have to you have to cast specifically the parts of Seto and Mokuba Kaiba, and you can only use Danny DeVito and Tom Hanks. <laughs> who plays who? I feel like. Well, Danny DeVito would have to be Seto, right? No, he's he's too short. He would have to be Mokuba. That's, that's hey, big brother! You can play it. You can play it on age, or you can play it on height. And I think both are funny. <laughs> hey, big brother! <laughs> it's me. Is that your Tom Hanks? <laughs> you know, Gozaburo always said life is like a box of chocolates. It's full of nasty shit. You don't like it. See, I love I love Danny DeVito specifically for something that happens in this episode. And I'm just picturing Danny DeVito saying, Can I offer you a blue eyes white dragon in this trying time? <laughs> God. Uh, okay, so yeah, sorry. they're walking through the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, in they find the virtual a, woods, not real woods. Uh, they 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 stumble upon an important uh, suspicious house, but first Mogaba asks what I think is the question that we all should have been asking from the start. Mogaba asks, "Does or do rather virtual berries have a taste?" Because they're walking the forest and they haven't eaten in a mm-hmm. while, so he's looking at his berries and he's thinking, "Man, I could eat some berries. What do virtual berries taste like?" Hmm. I no, feel. We... Oh, go ahead. Let's see, I feel like virtual berries. If you're trying to eat a hard light hologram, mm-hmm. will probably taste like like licking a pane of glass that has like a little bit of a uh, penny on it. Mm, like that yeah. sort of like tangy metallic sort of taste. Yeah, I, I don't think they would be good. I don't think. Noah's virtual world is good enough to simulate delicious food. I mean, maybe it is. Like, they're going to have to eat something eventually, right? I think so. Because they're not virtual people. (laughs) They're not virtual people. Where are they going to virtually poop? Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Well, uh, we get around that because this is a cartoon. (laughs) It's a cartoon. They don't have to worry about that kind of thing. Famously, cartoons do not poop. <laughs> uh, anyway, okay, so they, they go up to the creepy old house, and they open the door, and suddenly it is the inside of Gozaburo Kaiba's mansion that they lived in as children. Yep. It's like the first day he brought them home from the orphanage. And the first thing they see is them as children being led into the house by... Gozaburo's butler, who looks like a California raisin. 
Yeah, I was trying to figure this... out what he looks like. I feel like I've seen him before. I he looks think familiar, doesn't he? He, lo- I mean, he looks like a Duel Monsters card. Is the thing like he? <laughs> he does. He looks like a fucking goblin. Uh, Hobson is his name. Hobson. Hobson. He looks like. He looks like Dobby crossed with Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> he looks like a large melted egg, man. Yeah. He looks like. <laughs> We're just gonna keep bragging like, on this guy. He he looks I, like you left. No, okay. Here's what it is. Uh, you know, In and Out, right? In and Out Burger. You get the yes, you get I'm the familiar. vanilla milkshake. That's like, and the vanilla is like it's white, but like not like white white. It's got like it's a like little bit egg of eggshell. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like you took that cup and you take the lid off. And then you just sort of slowly squeeze until just a little bit of milkshake spills out. That's what he looks like. He does. His head is fully like twice the size of anyone else's body. Yeah, it's, it's really upsetting. It's a completely different art style. He than... could eat Mokuba in one bite if he wanted to. He could. You know, I just realized who he looks like. He looks like the uh, priest guy from Akira. Oh my god! I was yeah. like, I know I had seen those glasses somewhere because he's got that pair of like little round red glasses. Right, he looks like this dude. Uh oh yeah okay or that's not a oh that is yeah no that's a dude. Uh from the very beginning of Akira where uh, they're on the bridge is that right or they're on like a street somewhere? They're just he's chaos on the side of the road. Place, yeah. yeah, with a big afro. Although Hobson doesn't have a big afro. Um, but it yeah, he's like- got these. It's got these like that guy glasses. crossed with uh, Mr. Nezu, the the guy with the buck teeth, also from Akira. The like businessman who like overdoses on drugs. Yeah. Okay. That dude. Yeah. 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 It's just really unsettling, and I I I don't really understand why Hobson exists. He's like, just so unsettling. He looks like he was dragged and dropped from another media entirely and he's got this like at least i, I like obviously I, I really want to watch the japanese for for this episode but um the the dub is very like proper english gentleman yes mr kaiba will be seeing you now in his quarters yeah he looks like he should have more of a oh hello young man would you like to come into my master's abode I mean, maybe that's that's his voice in his, like, true form or whatever. Maybe that's the reveal here, is this is some sort of, like, glamour spell. But, like, it doesn't fit with anything else unless he's a monster of some kind. He looks like... He looks more of a monster than a lot of the monster cards that we see. Yeah. 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 But, okay, so we have to, we have to move forward here. It... it <laughs> The whole thing, effectively, is a flashback of the the Kaiba brothers growing up a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we get, like, Kaiba getting a math lesson from a private tutor. Um, I, I think we get some other scene in there of, like, Kaiba working on schoolwork. 
because Seto is is working so hard on on his learning and education, he starts falling asleep during one of these lessons. Hobson like wakes him up and starts calling him lazy, and then snitches on him to Gozaburo, and Gozaburo starts ragging on him for supposedly being lazy. He's like, "All right, no more weekend fun. Gonna yeah, take you don't your... get weekends off anymore, right? Which, Seven like, days a week." Uh, all right cool and and said i was like but i'm i was tired because i was working so hard and it's like a classic horrible parent story right yeah uh the 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 line that i got out of all this which is maybe my favorite line of the episode is when goes is like explaining no this is why you have to work seven days a week you have to be like the best at everything goes says you must have discipline seto it's the only way to crush your enemies and tiny little Seto Kaiba stands up at the table and he goes, but I don't have enemies. <laughs> and goes bro is like, uh, yeah, you do. You can't trust anyone. Not even yourself. Does he <laughs> say not even me. yourself? Not even me. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just from the meme. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, it's one of those, it's just like all around sort of terrible parenting, uh, which, okay, we get it. <laughs> Yeah, he's a bad guy. Um, uh, we we get a we get a scene of later on that night where Seto is like studying and Mokuba cleverly hollows out a book and puts Duel Monsters cards in it and like hands the book to Hobson saying, "Oh, Seto forgot this textbook or whatever." Mm-hmm. And so Hobson hands it to him and is like, you know, berating him some more for for leaving a textbook lying around. And then Seto throws it aside and Duel Monsters cards fall out. It's a very touching moment. And he opens a note and it's from Mokuba being like, here, I got you these. We're always together, big bro. Uh, And it's his deck of Duel Monsters cards, including a scrap of paper with a hand-drawn blue-eyes white dragon. Aww. Even as like a six-year-old, he was still obsessed with blue-eyes white dragon. You know, he got the bug early. You got that bug early. Can you imagine if, like, that was, like, if we were like that, and then one of us became a billionaire and built a jet based around Thomas the Tank Engine? Like, if the thing you were obsessed with when you were, like, seven years old became the thing that you were obsessed with later in life. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what that would be. Thomas the Tank Engine Jet. I'm ashamed to say it, but probably peep, Jar Jar peep. Binks would be my thing. I was pretty you into would have Jar, a Jar Jar Jar. You would have a Jar Jar Binks shaped jet. I had maybe the best piece of Star Wars Episode One paraphernalia that there was, which was an inflatable Jar Jar Binks chair. Oh hell yeah! Do you remember this? So it was it was Jar Jar. I vaguely Binks. remember it. Is effectively an inflatable, but it was it was Jar Jar Binks sitting like crisscross applesauce. So you sit in his lap. And then his head like comes up over your head, so it looks like you're just sitting on Jar Jar's lap. Which, when I say it that way, sounds creepier than it was. <laughs> but that is yeah, great. yeah, that is great. Uh, boy, the Jar Jar jet sounds really appealing, actually. <laughs> uh, eat the rich. Um, so uh, the this whole scene plays out, and then the whole world just dissolves in front of the real. Seto and Mokuba who are standing there watching the whole thing and reveals Noah and Noah starts talking to them. I think he does a slow clap too, classic villain move. I think he does. 
I'm going to be honest, I did not hear a word Noah said because I was distracted by what he was wearing. <laughs> I do not know what I expected. I did not expect white shorts. <laughs> he's just a little nerd. He's wearing he's wearing white shorts and knee-high black socks. Is he wearing Birkenstocks? <laughs> he looks like uh, a bug-type Pokemon trainer. Yeah. He really does. He really <laughs> looks like a Viridian Forest motherfucker, just like hanging around like he's got the most powerful team ever, but it's a bunch of level three Caterpies and one Metapod that only knows Harden. <laughs> and so Seto and Mokabar are like, dude, what the hell are you? He's like, I'm going to make you relive every bad thing that's ever happened to you. And they're like, dude, why? And he's like, fuck you, that's why. <laughs> yeah, he says he says something like, uh, so that... It, I can have everything. No, so that something like everything that you have should have been mine, or something along that. Something yeah, that yeah, some something to that effect. But basically, yeah, basically just like, nah, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of refreshing. Like, I I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, we... for once he doesn't have some like scheme. He's just uh, a piece of shit who wants to make Kaiba feel bad. Right, you know, and I think we need more of that in the world. <laughs> That's some true villainy. Uh, we cut to the Yugis. Oh yeah, you know the protagonist of this show, right? <laughs> the King of Games. <laughs> the King of Games, as, as the intro says, as I learned today. <laughs> uh, guess what? They're still going through random doors. They are going at these doors. Uh, they finally stop and they think to themselves, we're not getting anywhere. So what's the, what's the puzzle here? They figured out last episode that the stars on the doors were, there were one, two, three, or four stars. And those corresponded to monster levels, Mm -hmm. right? So they could defeat the monster, go through the door. (sighs) Yugi has a brain blast. (laughs) (laughs) Jimmy Neutron zoom into his head there's like all kinds of like particles whizzing around in there and he's like wait a minute one two three four that's the order we should go through the doors in that's the combination on my luggage (laughs) only a complete idiot would have that combination on his luggage and that's the puzzle that's it they have to go through the doors in order and they have to beat the monsters behind each door and Yugi's like alright cool let's start with the first one uh, I'm gonna summon. What does he summon? Uh, uh, obnoxious <laughs> Celtic guardian, and the door glows, and fucking Krang comes out behind it, and <laughs> the guardian cuts it in half, and like, all right, okay, cool. Door one down, done. And then they just keep going through doors. Yep, that's like their entire side plot during this episode. Them going through various doors. Yeah. But now we get to the meat of this episode, which is Taya dueling Crump. Hooray! Duel, uh, duel, 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 duel. So Taya is partially frozen in ice already. Yep. Uh, and so she's shivering and upset about it. But Crump says, Advantage number 204 of being a penguin. We have thermal insulated flipper feet. I have so many questions. What were the first 203 advantages of being a penguin? I want to see his master list. How many are there in total? <laughs> yeah like is is this in order of significance that you have thermal insulated flipper feet at number 204 and is this what what is it 
in comparison to what's what's it an advantage over is it compared to being human yeah it's i well from context i think it's compared to like human feet where you stand on ice and you get cold but if you're a penguin you don't get cold okay so like advantage 205 no stigma about clothing (laughs) Uh, i don't know crump is already crump is wearing clothing though that's, well, that's true. He's wearing seat. clothing because he wants to, not because there's a societal sort of uh, 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 more about wearing clothing. Yeah. Uh, advantage number 206 would be tax fraud is probably a lot easier. <laughs> if you're a penguin, because no one wants to be the guy auditing a fucking penguin. God, no, that sounds like the worst job. <laughs> all right where are your some guy at the irs <laughs> what i have to go i have to go investigate record scratch a penguin <laughs> okay actually no i would watch that movie that would be really good and it's just it's just will ferrell chasing around 12 penguins being like show me your receipts <laughs> so yeah that's advantage uh, number that's... 204 of being a penguin all thermal right. insulated flipper feet. I actually had cool. to like Google image search penguin feet. I was like, do they have flipper feet? And they, I wouldn't describe them as flippers really, but their their feet are webbed. Okay, you know, so they can swim. So, I yeah cool. sure. I all right yeah sure why not? So now I have penguin feet in my Google search history. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for weird reasons though. Yeah, sure. Tell that to the guy monitoring you at the FBI. Um, so uh, we we are dueling. Uh, it is Crump's turn. So he has Flying Penguin, who in turn has a sword. Sure. Sure. Uh, is a Flying Penguin just like a fat bird? Like, can we just call it a bird at that point? Is it different from a penguin somehow? Yeah, how is it how is it flying? Because it doesn't really have wings. Does it have a jetpack? Does it have a jetpack? That we just can't see. Maybe that's it. <laughs> uh Taya plays a, a, a card face down in defense mode. Uh Crump draws your boy Bolt Penguin. Uh and then he has Flying Penguin attack the face down card, which is turned out uh, it turns out to be Skelengle? Skel Skelengle. Skelangel. Skelangel. It's not... I don't think it's spelled how it's said. And I don't don't really want to say it again. (laughs) Uh, Our our favorite uh, prime minister of Germany. Uh, And uh, it lets... The author of A Skeleton Wrinkle in Time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you. Uh, uh, Flying Penguin attacks the face down Madeline Langle card, which then lets Taya draw a new card, which she uh, reveals to herself and to Dark uh, Magician Girl as being Magic Formula. On Taya's turn, uh, Taya draws Maha Vilo. I have My no idea op- how to pr- how to like say this or type it, so I'm glad you have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, having the closed captioning on, help me out here. Maha Vilo looks like a Bionicle character. Like, it looks, it has the cadence of being a Bionicle character uh, in name only. Otherwise, it is like a dark sage sort of thing. Yeah. 
Um, Taya looks at it and is like, well, this is a shit card. This is like weak as hell. What's going on? Um, but Dark Magician Girl knows that it has a secret skill. Secret powers. I... Jimmy, I gotta be honest with you. I have had enough of these fucking cards with no card text and having secret rules. Oh, like, yeah, and rules where you... She has no idea what it would do unless this, like, digital dark magician girl was there, like, whispering in her ear. Like, I just don't... There's gotta be a point where it stops, right? Like... <laughs> At some point, they will know they will know how to play this card game without having new tricks, like, being pulled on them all the time. Right, because at a certain point, it's just going to be Pegasus swoops in and is like, all of my cards have 3,984... Well, that's not Pegasus at all. Uh, But, you know, he's going to swoop in and be like, all right, cool, my card says, fuck you, I win. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Mm, Yugi boy, my cards have 3,984 attack and defense. Why? Because I wrote it in invisible ink. It's got a secret skill. <laughs> it's got a secret skill that lets me win instantly. See you next time. Where'd my and eyeball go? Floats away in a bubble, you know, like <laughs> fucking mm, right. Like the rules are the rules are out at this point. Rules have left the building. Looks like Team Pegasus is blasting off again. It's just me. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that's the miniseries I want to watch. <laughs> Is it just uh, me, or in all of her close-ups, does Taya look a lot buffer than usual? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She Well, there's a couple of close-ups where she's like, she has to hold the the dual disc kind of funny, because like, the ice is up to her waist at this point. So she oh, has fiddle, to, it's like... up to my middle. Oh, gee, it's up to my knee. <laughs> oh, heck, it's up to my neck. So she has to hold it funny. She has to hold it like kind of out in front of her. And it does a close-up showing just her like upper torso as she holds the dual disc kind of towards the camera. And yeah, it does look like she's been uh, she's been pumping iron. She looks like she's gotten a little bit of muscle mass like in the three frames since we saw her from the wide shot. <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad look. Like No. I am here for shredded Taya here to kick some ass. Again, that's the miniseries that I would like to watch. <laughs> And we start to get a little bit of that this episode. We do, actually, yeah. So what uh, what happens next here? Uh, next, Taya is like looking through her cards, and we get a flashback to Taya in school asking Yugi which card he thinks is most like him. Oh yes, yeah. This is this okay. is a very classic like two friends that are too young to realize that what they're doing is flirting. Mm-hmm. And Yugi, and she's like, I think the guy most like you is the guy with the big, weird purple hat. He's like, oh, you mean Dark Magician? Nah, I like him. But the card most like me is uh, Mahavilo. Mahavilo? Mahavilo. Mahavilo. Because it, too, has a hidden power deep inside. Which <sighs> is a really weird thing to say, even if you do have a ghost living in your brain. Yeah, that's the thing. And it's really unclear when this flashback is from, you know? Like, is this pre- or post-Millennium Puzzle? Yeah, when were these children last in school? God. (laughs) Kindergarten. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's... Well, and, like... And he says... Because this card also has a hidden, you know, secret power. 
but then he never says what it is. Yeah, he just says that it has a hidden power deep inside. Cool, that's helpful. Flashback Yugi. <laughs> Weird thing to say, but okay. Can you imagine if Yugi did have the Millennium Puzzle in kindergarten and like the Pharaoh is like taking the body of this like toddler? Oh man, hmm. that that'd be a really interesting like Muppet Babies sort of spin-off. <laughs> Yugi, I think we should select the strawberry juice box. <laughs> These flavors are incredible. (laughs) It's been 5,000 years since I could shit myself. (laughs) Uh, So, okay, so we get the flashback. Amazing. It is like magic. Your poo (laughs) is spirited away through a series of tubes. In ancient Egypt, we simply had to use three seashells. Harvested from the banks of the Nile every morning. (laughs) By my million slaves, because I was a pharaoh. (laughs) By my million slaves. I was the wealthiest man in Egypt because I had so many (laughs) friggin' seashells. Oh, Does the Nile have any seashells in it? Probably not. Probably not. It's an inland sea. I also just had, like, I just had a moment of realization that at some point we have to reconcile with the fact that Yugi definitely owned slaves. <laughs> oh, I don't feel good about this, Jimmy. <laughs> this does not feel great. Summoning the monsters from hell to fight your enemies was okay, but having slaves is a step too far. Uh, okay, fair point, fair point. <laughs> um, so, Taya played... Trapping people's Mila. minds in eternity in the Shadow Realm that's yeah <laughs> ripping ripping juggalos out of your rival's mind <laughs> spiriting them away into their own separate beings yeah okay fair it's all the definitive, bad. the definitive list of all the bad things the pharaoh has done i wonder i wonder if somebody has compiled all of yugi's war crimes i mean probably it's it's on the internet somewhere i'm sure uh, Taya plays Mahavilo and Magic Formula, uh, which raises Mahavilo's attack points by 500. It's still pretty weak. It doesn't have enough uh, uh, attack points to beat Flying Penguin. But Mahavilo's secret ability is that it also gets 500 attack points for each of Taya's magic cards. She just says magic cards. She does not say the location of those magic cards. Is this all the magic cards on the field? Is this all the magic cards in her hand? Is this all the magic cards in her deck? Is this all the magic cards she's ever dreamed of? Uh, Well, as we can see later uh, in this episode, maybe it's all the magic cards in her deck or in anyone else's deck. (laughs) It's every magic card within a one-mile radius. (laughs) All right. Get the judges out with their tape measures. We need to scan, <laughs> search everyone's deck and make sure they're within a mile. Oh, God. There uh, would be a magic card like that is the thing, though. Like, the, the, those joke decks have to have something like that. And, yeah, there there is magic decks. I th- I've talked about this before, where yeah, you can, yeah, like, yeah. bring in cards from other people's decks. It exists. It exists. Uh, so, okay, so it, now it suddenly has enough attack points to beat Flying Penguin. And this part actually looks pretty cool. So Mahavilo is like, like I said, like uh, kind of like a like a sage version of like a dark magician. Um, yeah. Very sort of classical wizard uh, 
you know looking robe thing um and, and it summons lightning as its attack but it does this whole like hand ritual and it like raises its hands to the sky and lightning comes down and it redirects it in like a magical spell kind of way and like shoots it out it's very um it's almost like dragon ball in a way kind of like it yeah. feels very like kamehameha sort of sort of shit it looks really cool and especially when the flying penguin dies it makes like a really cool facial expression yeah uh, it goes, Quack! and then just kind of explodes yeah it's it's good it's good i like that part uh but then we cut away and Back to the we get we get more of yuki i i'm already gonna spoil like this, this i don't i forget. have to go over everything they do no this isn't my worst but like i just want to summarize it with i think what i said in the last episode was like this is my worst or my my least favorite D D dungeon is the yeah thing. they solve the puzzles is what the the bottom line is here that's it they that's, get through the doors ta-da cool uh the only important part here is that the final door uh leads him to the inside of an iceberg where he can watch the duel between Taya and Crump. Sure. I guess as a form cool. of psychological torment, so he can watch Taya get her body taken over by this creepy old penguin man. So that's where Yugi's at for a yep. while. He's uh, just kind of stuck inside this iceberg. That yeah. It's very like Legend of Zelda ice dungeon. Yeah, where some of the ice is, is conveniently clear and the rest isn't. Mm-hmm. You have to expect some, like, ice stalactites to, like, fall on his head or something. <laughs> right, right. Or, you know, for him to start moving in one direction and then have to, like, skitter to move in a, another direction, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, gotta, he runs he, down he the hallway. He slides in one direction for a while. <laughs> he has to, like, Tokyo drift down the corridor. <laughs> uh, do, is there anything else in there? No. We go back to the duel. Crump plays. Oh, Crump plays Bolt Penguin. That's a fun thing. Mm-hmm. It's your boy, uh, and plays a card face down. Then Taya has the good line. This is when yeah. Taya is a good character for a bit. <laughs> Taya gets mad. Taya starts doing some trash talking, which is the side of Taya I don't think we've seen before. Uh, she says, "Your little turkey only has eight hundred defense points, and I can stuff it and roast it with one blast." Like, holy shit! Where has this Taya been this whole time? Shivers. I had shivers. <laughs> Very good. You you done pissed off Taya. She's uh, here to fuck up this penguin now. Yeah, that's and that's the thing. It's like she's rightfully angry, obviously. Um, but now she's in a point where she's like getting a bit of an advantage. Crump plays Defender Iceberg, another one of my cards from the Task Dungeon. So apparently Crump and I have a lot in common, which is a strange thing to realize. Uh then he plays a card face down and summons penguin torpedo <laughs> who is my precious child and must be protected at all costs penguin torpedo is exactly what it sounds like it's like a bullet bill but with a penguin head i love it i love every part of it i <laughs> it's great. i cannot get enough of penguin torpedo uh penguin torpedo's special ability also is that it hits uh your life points directly so it just like as soon as it summoned the little rocket and its butt fires <laughs> <laughs> pew <laughs> and it just like shoots straight at Taya and does some more damage, uh, which is yeah, fine. It's fine. Yeah. 
at this point, Taya feels like she's out of moves. Is that right? She like reviews her so. cards. Yeah, she is looking at all her stuff, and she like doesn't have any monsters she can play that will be able to like bring out or protect her. Uh, Dark magician girl says you can put me out on the field. And Taya's like, no, I'm not going to do that. If if I do that, he'll attack you, and then I'll just lose instantly if you die. Right, because the rule is if your deck master gets destroyed, you just lose the the duel. Yeah. Uh, so she's in real trouble. And she she plays Dark Magician Girl, and I I remember. So Crump says effectively. I mean, what I just said. He he's like, oh, you must be in a bad situation if you're playing Dark Magician Girl because if Dark Magician Girl gets destroyed, you lose. Mm-hmm. But then here's the thing I don't understand. The next thing that Crump does is he plays this card called Ocean of Regeneration, which lets him summon any water type monster from his deck. And he's got, or in his in his graveyard rather, uh, and in his graveyard he's got that giant sea snake, that fucking giant red thing that took all of last episode to get rid of. And instead he summons Penguin Torpedo, which, don't get me wrong, I'm excited to see Penguin Torpedo. But then Penguin Torpedo does not attack Dark Magician Girl. Penguin Torpedo attacks Taya. I guess he wants to play it safe, be able to attack her life points directly. I don't know. I guess, but, like, wouldn't it make more sense? I mean, let me me try looking up this card. Red Giant... Oh, I'm going to regret this Google search. Red Giant Sea Snake. Yu-Gi-Oh. Um... Giant red sea snake. Uh, hey, I, don't look at me. I'm no penguin accountant. <laughs> uh, okay, so it's got 1,800 attack points. Uh, he his his special ability gives them what? Another 500 attack points? Is that right? Something like that. Uh, Dark magician girl has how many attack points? 2,000. So yeah, he could summon giant red sea snake. And win the game. He doesn't. But he doesn't is the thing. And this is the guy who's supposed to be good at numbers. (laughs) Uh, Other than penguins, that is his one thing. Well, you know what he's not good at? Magic. Oh, fair. Yeah. And guess what happens next? Uh, Well, first, he has probably the worst line of this episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> he says, suddenly I'm in the mood for a tall glass of iced tea. <laughs> <laughs> I hate the shot that they do when he says that line too. Cause it's one of those where it's like, clearly he's objectifying her. Cause it starts with her feet and like slowly pans up her whole body. Oh yeah. It's just like, as Ugh. she's encased in ice Ugh. and like, it's Ugh. just now it's just like her head and her hands sticking out of this icicle. I hate it. Uh, but for her last, with her last bit of strength, she, uh, summons Dark Magician Girl. Um, and her, now things get weird. Yeah, yeah, they do, yeah, they really do. I don't fully understand what happens here. Uh, well, let's walk through it. So, Yugi's, the Yugi's are watching from the, inside the iceberg, their convenient iceberg, yes. The convenient iceberg. <laughs> the stadium seating iceberg. And Yugi is like, all, 
no, she's going to lose and lose her body to this creep. And the pharaoh's like, all she has to do is believe in herself and the heart of the cards. And uh, she believes in the heart of the cards. Uh, and she knows that she has one card in her deck that can turn it all around. She doesn't know where it is. Uh, but she uses Dark Magician Girl's Deckmaster ability, which is the power to form a soul circle with the monsters in Taya's graveyard, which oh, allows her... No, sorry, no, let's... Sorry, back up a second. She knows that there's a card in her deck that will solve everything for her. Mm-hmm. Dark Magician Girl is the one that tells her what the card is. Neither of them know what the card does. Yeah. I don't even remember what it's called. Uh... Yeah, I don't remember either. It's, it's that rock. The, it's the is it the stone of the sage? The jewel Something of the like stage. That makes sense cuz that's the, in the sure. title of the episode. Why not? We'll say it's that. The magic but, rock. But so that's that's the context that Taya has, right? Yeah. She knows it will help. She doesn't know how or why. So, uh, okay, so now it. explain what happens next. So now uh Dark Magician Girl forms a soul circle with Taya's monsters in her graveyard. They all come out and they like are floating in midair. This beams of energy circle around connecting them. Uh, And with this power, she is able to draw the number of cards equal to the number of monsters out there, which is four. Yes. So she's able to draw four new cards, including the one she needs, which is a magic rock. And with her last bit of strength, she plays the magic rock card. And across the sea, Yugi's dual disc glows. Yeah. <laughs> With yeah. the power of magic, Dark Magician springs forth from Yugi's dual disc and flies across the sea to stand side by side with Dark Magician Girl. Um, the power of this card lets Dark Magician be summoned from any nearby player's deck. Uh-huh. And wouldn't you know it, but Yugi is just, like, right over there in that iceberg. Yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. <laughs> so, sure. Dark Magician and Dark Magician Girl combine their forces into a double dark magic attack, fire in their laser, they both raise their staffs, and there's, like, a pew-pew of, like, two blasts of energy, which go out and hit Crump, and Crump fucking dies. <laughs> that okay that whole sequence is like watching a christopher nolan movie because it was like five minutes of me going what huh and then that 10 second clip where they do the double dark magic attack i was just like ooh, <laughs> shiny yeah <laughs> uh but yeah crump ascends to the heavens question mark crump- I, I don't know. Crump fucking like dissolves into his component molecules and is drawn upward in a beam of light. He is he uh, digitizes. Yeah. And is sent back to the Tron mainframe. It's unsettling to think about, but yeah, Crump died, right? <laughs> I don't He's know. He's dead. Is he super dead? Where where did he pardon go? Pardon me. Pardon me. They're in the virtual world. He's been derezzed. <laughs> Yeah, he gets derezzed, and I guess his mind is now trapped in here for eternity. Um, Where'd he go? Uh 
He returns I mean, to the starting point. I would hope back to his penguin brothers and sisters. <laughs> he returns to the last save point. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> Forgot he, to he, save him. <laughs> he pops in at the nearest inn. Ah, uh, there you go. That's nice. At the last campfire he stopped at. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Taya passes out from the exertion. The ice goes away. And she wakes up in Yugi's arms, which is so sweet. And he Aww. says that they're now that they're together again, they're never going to be apart. And Noah's watching this like, ha yes, you will. The you end. have no idea what I have in store for you. <laughs> and that's it. How did Yugi mine, get mine across the like ocean there? That's a great question. <laughs> Do we get an answer? No. Nope. Cartoons. And that's the end of the episode. Uh, Jimmy, <laughs> was what that was the being best? sung by penguins? Yes. What was the best part of this episode for you? Uh, the best part of this episode for me was seeing uh, this side of Taya before. This, like, absolutely sick of this guy's shit and here to kick some ass. Usually yeah. she just kind of either a passive observer or actively getting victimized by the events of this story. So it's good to see her like fighting back for a change. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And like, it's, it's something that we've been talking about on the show for a while, right? Like if we have this character who's supposed to be like one of the more intelligent and capable people in the main group, why does she not do anything? Yeah. Someone who has been friends with Yugi, the king of games since they were like very young children. Right. It would make sense if she was maybe, you know, part of the show. <laughs> part of the show and actually good at games. Yeah. And it's good and to see her kind of show is. up a bit. Yeah. Finally, she can duel on her own terms. So it was your best. My best. Well, we kind of already talked about it. I, I think the problem that a lot of villains in Yu-Gi-Oh have is that they start with a plan that's actually really achievable. Like, they have a very clear end goal. They're at the final step. They know exactly what needs to happen. They have it within their grasp. And then they decide, actually, no, I want to have fun torturing other characters. I want to make this that's... little child miserable before I win. Yeah, and that's their downfall, you know? And I think I think at one point, I forget who it was. It might have been Merrick. It was just like, nah, but it would be more fun to do this other thing. And that's why they lose. The thing I love about this episode especially is that Noah doesn't have that. <laughs> Noah is straight up like, nope, having fun and torturing people is my complete goal. <laughs> that <laughs> is my goal. It. I'm loving this. But I have, <laughs> I have Kaiba right where I want him and he brought some friends, so I'm going to make them miserable too. Right, and it just, it feels so refreshing to be like, oh, okay, this is this is what it's going to be for the whole arc of this character, right? Mm -hmm. It's just his only goal is to make Kaiba miserable. I can get behind that. Is he going to lose? Of course, he's a villain. Of course. But did he also get what he wanted? Yes. Yeah, kind of. Like, he's already won at this point, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, he's already, like, making these people miserable, which is, like, his whole shtick. Right. All right, mission accomplished. Cool. Everything from here on out for Noah is bonus. No one will ever make fun of my bug-type Pokemon again. <laughs> <laughs> or 
my shorts that are comfy and easy to wear. <laughs> Come now, Weedle. Let us retreat to my Matrix base. Uh, what was the worst part of the episode for you? Uh, as happy as I was to see Taya fight and win on her own terms, still the only reason Taya won is because Yugi happened to be nearby. Yeah. She yeah. Didn't, I, yeah. She didn't win the duel because she is a good duelist. She won the duel because Yugi was like 60 feet away inside an iceberg. Which is within, I guess, the bounds of using this card that lets you summon a dark magician from a nearby deck. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it felt really strange to me because at first I was really excited, like, oh, cool, like Taya is like showing herself to be a strong woman, and she's being saved in a way by dark magician girl who has this really cool ability to like summon the dead to let Taya draw more cards. Like that's really badass. And then they use all of this effort to get a man to come and do it for them. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, she's winning with the power of friendship, but still I, I, I wanted at least one episode where she won just completely by herself. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been nice. Yeah. What was your worst? I feel like we've rehashed the Kaiba backstory like too many times, you know? Mm -hmm. Like it made sense. I feel like it made sense last season where it was like, I, when I say I, I mean, I mean, I said Kaiba was shamed by my rival and now I need to become the strongest duelist, not only so that I can like feel confident about myself again, but also so my board of directors will respect me, like that sort of thing. Like that backstory felt good for Kaiba. Before that, it was like, all right, he's obsessed with getting Blue Eyes White Dragon. Cool, that's enough that for Kaiba. Uh, part of his evil turned into a clown. That's enough like backstory for, Ka <laughs> for Kaiba. I'm good. I'm good. We got bits and pieces about how he and Mokuba are orphans. Like, that's fine. Going this extra mile to really hash out, like, all right, we got Gozaburo, we got Hobson, we got this tortured childhood. It's kind of looping back around into, like, not making sense for me anymore. It just doesn't. It's a little much. Yeah, and it's really hard to reconcile, like, what's happening now with who Kaiba is today. Mm -hmm. so i i don't know like i hope something good comes out of it but this it really feels unnecessary to do this i feel like it's leading up to showing us the one moment where kaiba takes over the corporation in like a hostile takeover from his stepdad and like exiles him or whatever yeah i'm trying to think because again like this is the point where i am going in blind as well like i i don't know what happens here I have a feeling that there's just going to be a shot of like Gozabura either willingly or, or, or not giving Kaiba the company and then Noah like in the corner and it's revealed that he's been there the whole time. His other adopted and, child that he keeps locked in the other side of the mansion. Or his biological child, you know, who knows? Oh yeah. 
it, it honestly doesn't matter because I don't really care about Noah as a character. I just like that he's putting the other characters in interesting situations. Like, we don't know anything about him yet. So, I, I don't know. I just It feels like it's a bit much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which it was like, I know is... It's like, all right, get us to the meat of whatever it is you're trying to do here. Yeah, yeah. And I, I know that, like, having the complaint that Yu-Gi-Oh! is being a bit much, like, really is kind of <laughs> the whole... <laughs> that's the whole thing. Um, but but this just feels like an unnecessary side plot. That's Especially fair. for this episode. Uh, is there anything else you want to you talk about about this episode before we move on? Nope. Okay. Cool. Well, let's let's leave Crump in the past, and let's invite my partner Lauren into the studio to join us for a game. Uh, while she gets set up, hey, things are shit in the world right now. In case oh you've been living under a rock, uh, in the description, I have been of living this episode, under a rock because it's dangerous to go outside of the rock. <laughs> the outside of the rock exactly. is on fire. Uh, in the description to this episode, uh, there's a link to blacklivesmatters.card.co. Uh, go and find ways that you could help uh, uh, support black lives, support black creators, uh, especially now where everyone in the Pacific Northwest is feeling the effects of, uh, well, the climate change. I mean, in, in the longer term, right? Like mm-hmm. if we go f- far enough back, people have predicted that this shit would happen and they got ignored. Uh, and do your part to help make sure that those people are taken care of, you know, the people who are affected by it. Um, please register to vote. Please, 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 please. Those deadlines are coming up in please. a lot of states. Yes. Register to vote. If you are vote. registered, double check to make sure that you haven't, like, gotten anything mixed up there. Yeah. And especially, too, uh, for a lot of folks who are doing mail-in ballots, check all the mail that you get. Uh, I have been hearing some reports of people getting what they, what looks like Trump propaganda, but is actually their mail-in ballot. Uh, and that is because certain states, uh, that is just how they look. So uh, vote, please. We got our little cards in the mail that are that's like, hey, we have your correct address in not the U.S. and we'll send you your your absentee ballot soon. And I got so excited. Yeah, and they misspelled my name and I had to fix it. Well, oh no, <sighs> you can't win them all. <laughs> can't win them all. That's fine. It's fine. But you know what? We can win this game. The vote. Oh. <laughs> well, one of you probably. That's true. That's one true. Of us. So, what if I just decided that neither of you won one of these? What if I was just like no draw. one? It's a draw. Oh, that would be. I mean, that would be upsetting for Chaotic. me personally. But you're welcome to bring whatever chaos, chaos energy you you want to this. We'd have uh, to take it up to the highest authority in the land and make pepper <laughs> chews, which is me. Oh, oh yes, fair. Pepper is the highest authority. Uh, well, Lauren, hi, Commissioner Lauren. We have brought you in hi. to play a little game that I hi, like to call <laughs> a little game that I like to call <laughs> "You Activated My Podcast Season Three Yu-Gi-Oh!" Not Season Two: Colon Enter the Task Dungeon. You just really Welcome. enjoy saying that whole line every time, don't you? I do, I do. It gives me it it preps me to play the game yeah, and it gives nice me segue. some some joy. Uh Jimmy, I believe you picked the monster first last time, if I remember correctly. Uh when you picked Boganian. Uh and I, I picked Gradius. Boganian. 
Bogania. <laughs> and uh, so I will go ahead and pick a monster what does it first. Stand for? Boganian. For... <laughs> Thank you. For listeners who are new to the show, Enter the Task Dungeon is a game within the podcast in which Jimmy and I each pick a monster from season three and pit them against each other in tasks that High Commissioner Lauren puts forth. Uh, we have our teams of monsters. There's a link to it in the show description. And then I decide whoever wins, just kind of however I want to. Exactly. <laughs> the, everything's made up and the points don't matter. Oh, they uh, matter. Oh, dear. They matter oh, no. very much. Oh, I have been playing this game wrong in that case. <laughs> uh, You've you, been doing fine. Oh, thank you. Uh, so, okay. So I I am going to pick first this week. Bolt Penguin and Defender Iceberg both appear in this episode, and they're both on my team, so I was tempted to pick one of them, but I'm actually going to pick Left Arm of the Forbidden One as my card. Uh, Left Arm of the Forbidden One is literally just Exodia's left arm. Wonderful. I don't really have any logic behind that. I just kind of felt like it. It's a Left Arm of Exodia kind of day. Excellent choice. Tyler, did you pick Left Arm of the Forbidden One because you're left-handed? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, no, actually, can I tell you, can I tell you the real reason? I'm a little, I'm a little embarrassed that like this is where my mind went to. But I was, I was thinking about it as we were picking cards, and listeners can go back to, to the draft. This is uh, what like four episodes ago or whatever when we drafted these monsters, and there's a point where I paused trying to think what exodia card i want to pick uh and it was because i my first thought was i'm left-handed i should pick the left hand and then i thought no that's too reductive which hand does exodia wipe with (laughs) why would you even consider something like that? why would you think about that and i want to pick the other hand is the thing (laughs) you're saying he wipes with the right arm that's what he grabs the three seashells with. And I don't remember my rationale for that. It's probably wrong is the thing. But we also never see Exodia's butt. So who knows? (laughs) Left and right cheeks of the forbidden one. (laughs) (laughs) So effectively what I was trying to think of was which is Exodia's clean hand. God, it's horrifying. Wow. (laughs) I... I feel like we've just gotten a peek into Tyler's psyche here. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it. So sorry. <laughs> so, okay. So I've picked left arm of the forbidden one. That's probably a mistake on my part. We'll see what happens. Jimmy, which card do you pick for this game? God, now that you've picked left arm, I feel compelled to choose right arm of the forbidden one just so we can determine once Ooh, so we can arm wrestle. which arm is of Exodius is the best. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel like we've been leading to since we both picked an arm, but I kind of want to see. God, I'm torn. I kind of want to see what would happen if I just picked some other random thing, <laughs> which would win yeah. in this effort. I mean, what's what's really funny here is that. So I also picked as one of my cards. I also just picked straight up Exodia. <laughs> <laughs> So I have Exodia, the Forbidden One, is one card, and then I have just Exodia's left arm as a different card. So uh, you have Exodia's right arm. Who else? Oh, you also have Obelisk the Tormentor. Yeah. So if later you pick Exodia, 
and I pick right arm of the Forbidden One, does that mean you can use all of Exodia except for the arm? Or are these two separate instances? I think it would be two separate instances is the thing. Hmm. We'd be like uh, we'd be like that one uh, rare hunter from season two who just had like six copies of all the pieces, <laughs> summoning two right arms. God, I have I have to choose and choose soon, but it's such a difficult. This is this is perhaps the hardest decision I've had to make in this segment so far. Do I choose I mean... the right arm of the forbidden one? Or something else. You know what? I mean, I see. Yeah. I'm going to give myself the advantage here. I'm going to pick Curtain of the Dark Ones and give myself two arms to use. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Curtain of the Dark Ones is literally just a curtain with two spooky arms coming out from underneath it. Wow. That's, uh. Yeah. Your move, Tyler. You I've got, got the jump two on me. spooky arms. Wow. So once again, I had this pre-picked and both of you have just, I had the task pre-picked and both of you have just, it's, it's glorious. Have we just shit all over your plans or is this perfect? No, no, no. I can't wait to see what you do. Oh boy. I just want to point out real quick. My one armed card is level one and Jimmy's two armed card is level two. <laughs> do you just get a level every arm you get? <laughs> That would be a great D&D hack. You just gain an arm every level you go up. Whoa. Oh, God. In some, like, horrible, mutated wasteland. Mm, I'm into it. That's really f- cool. I like that idea yeah. a lot. I'm six arms. Uh, I'm armed and dangerous. Hi, Commissioner Lauren. <laughs> Hi, Commissioner Lauren. Hi. Hi. Hi, Commissioner Lauren. Uh, what is our task today so today i'm delighted to tell you that we have another listener submission oh boy um like what so what kind of my plan was anyway is to sort of alternate between my terrible ideas and the good ideas sent in by listeners so as not to use up the good ideas too quickly gotcha okay yep Um, makes sense so anyway, today we have a submission from Thomas slash O4Mouse. So I'm not sure oh, which okay. name I meant to use there. Uh, yeah, no, Thomas has written in before. Uh, yeah, Thomas. O4Mouse on Twitter. Thomas is a, a really good artist. Go, go check out their stuff. Yeah. So anyway, we have Thomas's submission today, which is gold. And it is the two monsters are both on a bachelor style show with other dual monsters competing for the love of a human woman. What what do they do to stand out and win? Oh no. <laughs> Jimmy, are we Sonic 06ing this? <laughs> Let me show you what I can do with my two arms. <laughs> uh okay, so uh if I remember correctly, I went first I last think you time. Did, so yeah. Jimmy, you go first this week. Do you have any idea the sort of things you can do with two arms, two hands? <laughs> I'll leave that part up to your imagination, but just think of all the things that this curtain with arms sticking out from under it can do for a woman. It can cook food. They can pour you a drink. They can pull out a, a, a chair when you go uh, out to eat. 
Uh, let's see. What else can you do with a curtain with two arms? <laughs> let's let's just name everything that can be done with two arms. <laughs> oh, I don't. Let's let's keep this remote remotely uh, PG. Maybe PG thirteen. The Macarena. <laughs> you can do the Macarena. Wait, I'm. Not, <laughs> this is your this is your time. <laughs> it can tuck yeah, you in you, at night. Yeah, you get your chance. Now imagine. You are in bed at night and you're lonely. Imagine have, being able to snuggle and have this pair of arms wrapped around you, but also not have to worry about the rest of your bed being taken up <laughs> by some jackass hogging all the covers. All the they already the curtain of the dark ones has its own blanket that comes with it. You can use all the blankets that you want, and the curtain of the dark ones will be fine. You can wrap yourself up, and these arms will be okay. So we're saying here that the there is no body. It's literally just a pair of disembodied arms behind a curtain. I can only go off of what the card art is suggesting, <laughs> which is that this is just a disembodied floating curtain with a pair of arms sticking out from underneath it. That do not lead to any kind of body. <laughs> they lead to something, but... Uh, I'll leave that up to your imagination as well. It's more That's fun what that you way. Get to discover if you win this dating show. Let's see, what is the card text for these guys anyway? A curtain that a spellcaster made. It is said to raise a dark power. Oh, I'll show my. you a dark power. <laughs> I'll raise. Boy. I'll raise your dark power. <laughs> <laughs> the curtain of the dark ones. Uh, won't need to eat. It's just a pair of arms. So uh. when you go to the McDonald's drive-thru, you get to eat all the fries. Oh, that's a good point. The curtain of the dark not... ones will be driving. Oh, wait. I think the curtain not... of the dark ones when driving would need to have one of those um, setups for disabled people who don't have legs. Because it's mm. just a pair of arms. They won't be able to reach the pedals. <laughs> oh, that's, that's true. Yeah, you would need like uh, like switches on the, the on the dash. On the yeah. Handle, yeah. yeah. Um, Curtain of the Dark Ones would also be pretty good at video games, but not great at conversation. Not necessarily great at conversation. You will have a nice, peaceful, quiet relationship. Unless Where... it's magic to be able to speak. Why it's are an... you helping him? I'm just. I'm I... not helping him. <laughs> I'm selling. I'm selling her on uh, what all yeah. all the great things that Curtain of the Dark Ones can bring to the table. I like multiple arms. <laughs> can I say? Also, can I? Another thing I can say: great shoulder massages. Two arms. Mm hmm. Two arms. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's uh. That's Curtain of the Dark Ones. What would Curtain of the Dark Ones do specifically to to stand out? It sounds like a lot of like, I don't know, favors and doing like nice things. And well, when you don't have any visible mouth or any other appendages, yeah. uh, all that like a lot of the things that you will have to do are like acts of service and kindness to your it's partner. Uh, and I feel like Curtain of the Dark Ones would excel at that. Also, very soft and huggable. It's a curtain. <laughs> so so if you just want a nice hug, uh, that's just rub your face right in that fabric there and feel the, these big, strong uh, monster arms around you. Curtain of the Dark Ones, everyone.
All right, Tyler. All right. Yeah, okay. show us what you're going to do with that one arm. Yeah, Tyler. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hey, baby. It's me, the left arm of the forbidden one. <laughs> I know what you're thinking, girl. You're thinking, what could this left arm do for you? But let me tell you, girl. Not white. There's nothing. <laughs> there ain't nothing this left arm can't do for you. Come on, get a taste of this forbidden one. Um, I would like to raise an objection here. Yeah, 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 I think that's warranted. It's not just an arm by itself. That arm is attached through a dimensional doorway to the rest of Exodia. Uh-huh. Lauren, yep. you know what Exodia looks like, right? Mm-mm. No, it's no, fine. It's fine. No, you, you, you know what? You don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to pop that seal. What? Uh, <laughs> uh, left arm of the forbidden one is a kinky motherfucker, is what it is. Left arm of the forbidden chained. one comes chained. Yeah. <laughs> Just just is handcuffed. Uh-huh. Right like, out of the box. Left arm of the Forbidden One will let you do anything to it that oh, you want. Because boy. it does not have a choice. it's an arm. It's an arm. Left arm of the Forbidden One is the ultimate power bottom. <laughs> uh, left arm of the Forbidden How? One. How? Because it's muscly and has robot fingers and is handcuffed to space. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Left arm of the Forbidden One to? is sealed by magic, and whoever breaks the seal will know infinite power. Whoa. Come on, baby. Break this seal. Uh, oh, is that, that's, was that's that's it? it? That's, that's your pitch. whole pitch? Yeah. Uh-huh. What do you do about this dimensional door? What does the left arm do about this dimensional door? Explain how that works. What what do you what do you mean do it, the dimensional door isn't well, a problem the dimensional door is a feature like like the, the on the door, bachelor and they have to like go on dates with each okay. other okay here's here's the thing is so my favorite episode of the bachelor is always hometowns where they I've go I've never seen the bachelor full disclosure okay. but I have seen a lot of trashy british dating shows right so, so so think of um what's that one uh, where the five guys come over to the lady's house and get her burgers and fries Pornhub No no <laughs> No it's a British television show where oh, oh, oh yeah where they just <laughs> where they just yeah, it's like, all move in for a oh, week Oh yeah it's called like five guys or something like it it actually is I don't remember And it's so they get effectively oh, five it's, so it, it's it's basically the bachelorette but at the bachelorette's home it's so awkward so okay so that does I'm not picturing, sound terribly pleasant my my serious my serious answer to that question is in the episode of the bachelorette where they go to the bachelorette's hometown or they go to the bachelor's hometown pardon me the the, the men who are trying to woo the bachelorette and they meet the families mm-hmm and that is often the scariest episode because that's how you know, like, the real them. Left on the forbidden the ones. The bachelors or the bachelorette? That's the, how you know the real. The, the men. The okay. men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you get to know, like, their moms and, like, see how their families react to, like, them being on a television show where he's trying to date a woman. Like, that sort of thing. Mm. 
Laphroaig the Forbidden One's family is the rest of the Forbidden One, and they're all magically tied to a, to the seal, right? So you know that they're locked away, and you don't have to interact with Laphroaig the Forbidden One's family if you do not want to. If you want to, they're there for you, and they're very strong. They will protect you. But if you don't want to, you can just, you can just hang out with, you can just chill with the left arm. It's entirely up to you is the thing. You have all the power in this relationship. Again, yeah. ultimate power bottom. I feel I feel awkward because I feel like you're addressing this to me as though I am the woman on this That's dating fair. show. Well, it's just because you're sitting here next to me yeah. is the thing. That's fair. That's fair. I, maybe maybe if we if we personified this woman a little bit more, that might help. But we don't yeah, have to. should have uh yeah that's that's kind of the thing so the 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 trick with and i'm admitting this the trick with left arm of the forbidden one in this context is you gotta be into it if you're if you're down to to clown into arms either way in this (laughs) particular (laughs) that's true arms and arms alone yeah really into holding hands uh, but yeah, I I really think that left arm of the forbidden one is into the kink is the thing. Of ch- of chains of, of chains. Yeah, I mean, really, I think left arm of the forbidden one would be up for trying anything at this point. Like, well, look at mm-hmm. him. There's a left arm. Not even the whole body. Mm-hmm. Up for whatever. <laughs> Can I make one final power point for curtain of the dark ones? Oh yes, no, you get a rebuttal. You get a rebuttal. Every time you make a shitty joke. Two finger guns coming at you. <laughs> ah! They can also do the like, who has two thumbs and hates. <laughs> I don't know. Who got? Who's got two thumbs and one curtain? There's no audio because <laughs> there's. Guy. <laughs> it's completely silent. My rebuttal to that rebuttal: Left Arm of Forbidden One does a great Arnold Schwarzenegger impression, but it's only that one scene from Terminator Two. <laughs> Again, this is an audio podcast, but I have my thumb in the air and I'm sinking slow. <laughs> I have a question about the left arm of the forbidden one. Who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I probably have several questions. But okay. I have one immediate question. Yeah. Um, so it there's an allusion to the rest of the body. Yes, you do have a explain pelvis as well. Explain that. Well, ex- explain... Like, does it just stop? Does it uh, go off into a different dimension? What ha- what's the deal oh, with the rest Oh, no, of the we, body? we've seen this in the show. This is actually something I can oh, answer. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's a gradient into transparency. Ooh, that's kind of cool. So it just sort of fades. Mm-hmm. And then floats. It just floats there. The left arm doesn't have to walk or anything. It just hovers. But it is chained. It is chained... To something. To something. What's it chained to in the show? Who can say? <laughs> curtain of the Dark Ones, all real, baby. That's all curtain. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to worry about fading into transparency or whatever. There's a you get the you get the whole curtain. Oh uh, damn it! Okay, no, hang on. Let me go back on that answer. To a- ask me again, what it's chained to? What's it chained to? Whatever you want, baby. <laughs> uh, I'm really torn on this one, you guys, because... I'm so, I feel like my deep, sexy voice was, like, offensive, and I did not mean it to be. Why was it offensive? I don't know. I don't know. I just... It, in Hearing it in retrospect, I'm like, oh, did I get too weird and deep and sexy? Um, 
But I'm sorry. I interrupted. What were we going to say? Yeah. 10 points from Hufflepuff. Yeah, that's fair. Um, now, I'm really torn on this one because, <laughs> I don't know, it's, it was weird. Um, it was a weird choice. <laughs> <laughs> Just now you're realizing this? <laughs> I. It's interesting that neither of you were like, this is how I would edge out the competition, you know, because it did say that you're competing against other dual monsters. Lauren, we're three hands in a dating show. I don't know what I was talking about edging. <laughs> God, you're obsessed with edging. I don't <laughs> want to be part time of this conversation. This do I? I don't think I do. <laughs> You've talked about it several times. Okay. This is not the first time. All right. Okay. Um, I'm going to hang up this call. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. This is later than we usually record. It's past. Whew. Um. <laughs> uh, I appreciated Tyler's multimedia presentation. Um. But I don't know. I think I think Jimmy makes a stronger case. I think I'm going to give it to Curtain of the Dark. Ones. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. I'm proud of my it's- curtain with two spooky arms. <laughs> I found myself several times during Jimmy's pitch being like, yeah, that actually sounds really nice. <laughs> <laughs> I also like the spookiness of the arms. I know that that shouldn't be part of the decision because Jimmy has no control over that. Um, but because that's just the card art. You need to appreciate but, these cards on the merits that they have. And you did choose the card. So... Initially. Yay. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. Good job, Jimmy. Well earned. Well earned. <laughs> I I'm just I just keep looking at curtain of the dark ones and thinking how great it is that a monster is just a curtain with some arms coming out of it. That seems like a very <laughs> like like a Japanese yokai sort of thing. Yeah. It really is. Does it look to you like it's doing like an army crawl across the floor? It does. Like you would wake yeah. up at like the witching <laughs> hour and you would see your like floor length curtains and like out from underneath it and you would see these arms just start crawling out yeah. towards you. Yeah. And but it's like but it's some... just your loving partner coming back with a glass of water. <laughs> Aww. Aww. There's like some light coming out from under the curtain as well. In kind of an ominous fashion. It's a curtain. It's blocking the sunlight for you early in the morning so you can sleep in. Oh. Aww. Aww. That's so nice. That's nice. All right. Nice. Well, that that brings us to the end of this episode. <laughs> wow. What what an end it is. That was a weird one. <laughs> I feel strange about this, Me everybody. Too. Um okay. So, if you want to get in touch with us, the best way to do that is to email us at youactivatedmypodcast@gmail.com. Uh, you can also use the contact form on our website heartofthe.cards. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at yampod, y a m p o d for episode updates. Uh, Jimmy, is there anything? Send more suggestions. Oh yeah, email us more suggestions. Uh, label them dungeon. as task dungeon in the subject line so that I won't read them and send them directly to Lauren. Uh, is, is there anything I'm forgetting, Jimmy or Lauren? I don't think so. All right. Next week we are going to be talking about. I actually wrote the episode name down this time. Uh, next week is courtroom chaos part one. Oh, finally we're so getting into Phoenix Wright. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this will be good. Um, all right. Next week, we'll talk about that. And until next time. Suddenly, I'm in the mood for a tall glass of iced tea.